We should be live. Oh, I, I still can't get over the zombies, my guy. I <laughs> yeah, good God oh. Almighty, zombies. <laughs> yeah, what what was this? What was this WrestleMania backlash yeah. show? Like people are saying, oh, it's the best, one of the best, if not the best, pandemic show yet. I'm like, bro, come on. Like, like, yeah, what? it's it's like. I mean, to be fair, the fun thing about this stream, this Elite Heat, is that, I mean, I haven't really talked to you at all in the past, like, couple of days, really. Right. You've been busy. I've been occupied. So what you're going to get in this Elite Heat is, like, a an honest, just shooting the breeze about WrestleMania backlash, probably roasting and ranting about a couple of things. Most notably, the Maz, your favorite wrestler, Kevin, getting devoured by a pack of zombies, among other things. So... It's gonna be fun. Yeah, that's the Miz. As everyone knows, the Miz is my favorite wrestler, so I, I just I can't resist talking about the Miz. Cr twenty one said the Miz looks good in that pick. No homo. Um, I, I wish I, I wish I didn't read that. You know, that would be great. Like that. That's that's the kind of stuff that we get here on the Elite Heat channel. But um, I'm that's just right. flabbergasted by that comment. But nevertheless, nevertheless, do, do you want to talk about the? exciting pre-show before we get to the the main card the good stuff pal wow the exciting pre-show my guy wow wow yeah. we, we, we get we got sheamus defending the u.s title against ricochet now one thing i was thinking when this was happening i'm just gonna we're gonna fly through this because you guys in chat just generally listening to this back i don't know how many people really care it's a it's a kickoff match i mean honestly the kickoff show is jbl and booker t and that's legit the only good part of the kickoff show, Kevin. But nonetheless, actually, no, stop this. I'm going to throw this to you. Did you watch this kickoff match, Kevin? No. No, I did not. I, I, I heard on Twitter that Sheamus had an open challenge. So, you know, he's stealing the, the John Cena gimmick, the Cody Rhodes gimmick. Like, everybody's done. everybody does this. I mean, since yeah. Cena did it. And then Ricochet comes out. Everybody's like, oh, my God, Ricochet's finally being used. He's finally being pushed. Oh, my God. And... <laughs> I don't understand how him answering an open challenge in some jeans and a hoodie equates to a push. Oh, that, that's his character, pal. He's not wearing tights. He's wearing jeans tonight. Oh, oh, oh wow. Oh, wow. Oh, I mean, oh wow. Oh. Uh, he's got his jobber vest uh, to, to, to steal a phrase from the old Spark Busters. He's got his jobber vest out there. He marches down. And what did he do? Because WWE is a very topical entertainment company. They're at the forefront of entertainment. Ricochet spoofs the gotcha hat from Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather, and he steals Sheamus's hat after <laughs> Sheamus beats him in the match. He steals his hat, and now we have a feud between a 41-year-old Irishman and, and Ricochet over a over this Irishman's hat. That, that's what they're so angry over, you know? Because WWE is at the forefront of entertainment, pal. I got to remind you, they're at the forefront. They, they saw this. Some writers saw this Jake Paul Floyd Mayweather thing and was like, oh, my God, I'll have Ricochet do this. The internet will love it. Ricochet's going to come out. Everybody's going to be tweeting about Ricochet. He hasn't been used. I'm going to look like a genius. Vince is going to love this idea. Oh, my God. And then this is what we get on TV. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't good. Um, it, the, the match was okay. It's, I mean, it's kickoff match that went for like eight minutes. Is, not, is anyone going to remember this? In I mean, yes, tomorrow, the day after, three months from now. No, but nonetheless, the match was fine. The, the post-match stuff, though, 
I've got to talk about this. I'm sitting on my couch watching this. You've got Ricochet, this guy who, I mean, the internet's begged to be pushed for years now. Oh, my God, Ricochet deserves better, Kevin. Push Ricochet, man. <laughs> Push him. Ricochet can have a great match. He should, be in a, he should be in a world title program, man. Like, you've had this going on for years now. So he comes out there wearing jeans and he has a good match and then he loses and then he he, he puts on Seamus's coat and Seamus's fedora and then he does a dab. He whips out a dab. He's like, oh, yeah, cheeky dab. And it's like, what am I watching? It's, it's probably some 38-year-old writer who got fired from his job at BuzzFeed. Stephanie McMahon's willingly hired this guy who drinks about seven coffees a day. He's you know secretly depressed. He's writing this storyline, as you mentioned there, to please Vince, to try and get a raise, get a promotion. This guy writes this writes this angle where Ricochet got your hat, got your coat. I'm gonna do a cheeky dab. I'm gonna get some get some baby face heat. And it's like, get, get out of here, dude. Like the, the writer of this should be terminated. Ricochet, I t- who honestly cares, Kevin? Who? I mean, fam. Like, yeah, we, we spent too long talking about this pre-show, for God's yes. sake. Let, let's save move the on. Save the NG for the Miz Zombies rant, okay? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about the opening match. Very exciting. Oh, wow. Not a singles one-on-one match. We had a triple threat match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Oh, um, wow. Rhea Ripley versus Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. I, I can't believe this, but Charlotte, I mean, not Charlotte, Rhea Ripley pinned Asuka. Yeah. I, I did. I did not see that coming, you know. I, I, I thought that, you know, Oscar might win the title back or something. I did not see Rhea Ripley pinning Oscar. It did, you know. Never thought it would happen. So, are you disrespecting my favorite wrestler, Rhea Ripley? Is that what I'm hearing? Potentially. That, that makes me. Wait, 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 wait! I thought Indy Hartwell was your favorite wrestler. What happened? Oh no. Oh no, I'm getting exposed on stream. I've been caught in 4K. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, this match we had Charlotte Flair, we had uh, Oscar, <laughs> we had Rhea Ripley. Um, the thing I want to say about this match, I don't know if you felt the same. I'm watching this, and it went on way too damn long. It went on for like 17 minutes. I'm watching this good match, and it's like a bunch of moves are happening. I'm just sitting there thinking, I don't care. D- did you feel the same way, Kevin? Well, I, I didn't watch this match, but I watched, <laughs> I, I, I watched WrestleMania's review. And I, I like WrestleMania. I'm not trying to bury WrestleMania. I like I like his content. But he did this thing where he's like, he does the good, bad, and the very ugly or whatever, is, whatever however he phrases it. Yeah. And he put uh, he put this match on the good. He said this was this was a great match. This showcased why Charlotte is the best wrestler, women's wrestler WWE, like it or not. But then he said the ending was bad. So it's kind of like a contradiction. So I don't know what yeah. to make of it. It's like it's, it's a typical WWE match. The ending sucks, but the in-ring work is good. Like that's all this was. It was three women Kevin, that can have Kevin, a pretty good match. That's not, that's not a WWE match. That's an AEW match. Good match, terrible ending. You've just wrong company, <laughs> my guy. But nonetheless, um, this match, as much as I found it hard to care, it was just like okay, Rhea Ripley's there, so naturally I care as a result. But the rest of this, I just I, I wasn't really that invested in. Charlotte Flair came out there wearing. Uh, I guess it was like a, a zebra cow themed attire. I don't even know what the what the goal of that was, but nonetheless, the ending was weird. You've got Charlotte Flair on the apron, like dying. She's like, you know, she's been kicked on the apron. She's like standing there, and then Rhea just hits a move and pins Oscar. It's like, okay, and now what? 
God, I know. Yeah, she pinned Asuka, and, like, everybody knew that she was going to pin Asuka. I know I was joking at the top, but, like, we all knew going in that Asuka was just in this match because Vince doesn't want to have Rhea Ripley beat Charlotte one-on-one for whatever reason. Like, you might as well just put the belt on Charlotte. It's going to happen at SummerSlam, right? They're going to they're gonna have Charlotte avoid Rhea Ripley or whatever for two months, and then, you know, Charlotte's just going to beat her with a figure eight, and that's it. Call it a day. There goes Rhea Ripley's title run. But... But, but don't you remember that long-term storytelling when, when Charlotte beat Rhea at WrestleMania 36 and Triple H from a conference call and said, Rhea's going to get her redemption, just watch. It's long-term storytelling. Don't you remember that, Kevin? This is, this is immense long-term storytelling in the Raw Women's Division, pal. I'd be lying if I said I remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you yeah. remember that. Triple H went on a conference call and said this. Are you serious? No, he yeah. Didn't. After like one of after one of the takeovers or something like a year ago, people were like, "What's the go with Rhea and Charlotte Flair?" And the Triple H was like, "Oh, there'll be a payoff. There'll be a payoff. Just you wait. Rhea Ripley's gonna do something down the line." And then yeah, nothing's really happened since. I think that's fair to say, but. You know, all good, Kevin. All good. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess the next match was the tag team titles, right? Yeah. The Dirty Dogs versus Rey Mysterio. Because, you know, Dominic got attacked beforehand. So it was a two-on-one SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. Were you shocked when Dominic came out to help his his daddy? I I couldn't believe it, my guy. Like, when I was watching that backstage segment where Dominic's, like, crying in the trainer's (laughs) room. I would never have thought that he would have come out and had made the save for his father. Who would have who would have guessed that? People in chat, did any of you think that Dominic Mysterio would come out there and save his father, Ray Mysterio? Who would have thought? Kevin, when when Dominic walked out there holding his what his rib, his arm, whatever, I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, long-term storytelling power. Like Kevin. What did you think when Dominic Mysterio walked out and helped his father, Ray? For, for me, I had the same reaction of that 10-year-old me had when Batista came out at WrestleMania to face The Undertaker. And I was, like, hyped up. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait. I'm ramped up. Oh, this is shocking. It was similar to when Undertaker's streak ended. I just I couldn't yeah, believe okay, what I was seeing. That. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, how could Dominic, how could he triumph? From this, this just horrendous attack that Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler just executed on him. How could he triumph from this? But he did. <laughs> it's amazing that the Mysterios are the first father son tag team to be champion to, to father son tag team to be tag team champions in history. Incredible, Kevin, Kevin. This is what bothers me because we mentioned this in the preview. But if someone told you in two thousand and five and two thousand and six. When there's that whole Eddie, Dominic Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, ladder match for custody of Dominic, when that whole thing was going down, if someone told you in 16 years' time, Rey and Dominic are going to become tag team champions, father-son, at a pay-per-view, you would have thought, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And Absolutely. You fast forward 16 years and you've got Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode like a C Tech ripoff D Generation X lookalikes with one tenth of the charisma, and the Mysterios just beat them in the second match on the card of a dead pay per view after WrestleMania. That near enough, no one cared about coming in. 
That's the reality of the situation, Kevin. Just th put that in perspective. 16 years ago, you get told, oh my God, Mysterio's winning tag titles and pay-per-view. And this is the reality. Like, tough. Yeah, it's a shame. It should be, it should be, um, it should feel like a legendary moment because it is a legendary moment. Rey Mysterio's a legend. Dominic Mysterio's a future legend. And this is a big moment. Like, at the Hall of Fame, when JBL is screaming about Rey Mysterio's accolades, he's going to mention this, that he and Dominic won the tag team titles. But... Mm. WWE is going to portray it like it was this crazy, historical, triumphant feat. Like when Daniel Bryan won the world title at WrestleMania 30. Or when Kofi Kingston won the world title at WrestleMania 35 or something like that. And it was like like you said, it was just the second match on, an, on a pay-per-view in front of no fans. In front of, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of iPads with people there <laughs> watching. Like that's really all this was. It, like nobody cared about Dolph Ziggler or Bobby Roode. Aside from a couple weirdos on, on the internet. Other than that, nobody has cared about Dolph Ziggler since like 2014. So, yeah, yeah what it, like what happened? It, the, this big moment, it's just it should have been bigger than it is, but it's still a great moment regardless. Yeah. Also, you, you mentioned like the people on the Thunderdome, like on like the iPads. I, I need to mention this. I nearly forgot this opening match. The, the opening match was the, the Raw Women's Title, Charlotte Oscar Rhea. When I'm watching that, I was actually. Like, rarely, Kevin, do I act actively pay attention when I'm watching these matches. Usually, I either don't watch or I'm, like, kind of just barely watching. With that opening match, I was attentively watching. And I'm looking at what the people in the Thunderdome, the Thunderdome screens are actually doing. It, you know how ridiculous some of this stuff looks? It's like these people, when Charlotte Flair hits a re regular kick, or when Charlotte Flair's got, like, a, a rear chin hold applied or a chin lock applied on, like, Rhea Ripley... People are acting as if the Undertaker's streak's just broken in the Thunderdome. Like, that's how people, like, freak out. Like, ah, oh, my God. And they're having, like, a, a panic attack. They're freaking out. And I'm like, and then you look at what's happening in the ring, and Charlotte Flair is just in a rest hold to ask her. And it's like, look, Kevin, to quote you, can you please do your, your infamous line? Can you, can you do what, the infamous What, what is this, bro? What is this? <laughs> like, it's just, like... It's not adding up here. Like, if you're going to be in the Thunderdome, I get. Oh my god, I get to be on WWE, you know, pay per view. I, I get that. That's that's cool for you. But please, when Charlotte Flair's applying a weird <laughs> chin hold on Rhea Ripley in the opening match of a dead, basically Monday Night Raw on Sunday Night pay per view, please don't act as though the Undertaker's streak's just broken because she's applying a chin hold to Rhea Ripley. Kevin, damn it. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Some, someone out there clipped this. The elitist buries WWE Thunderdome. It was, it was like the first, first like two rows. If anyone if anyone wants to go back and watch this, I mean, fair play to you. This is gonna be a fun little five minute you know excursion for you. Go and watch the opening match of WrestleMania Backlash. The first like three to five rows of the Thunderdome. Some of their reactions made me want to slam my head into a door. It was just painful. But nonetheless, oh let's move on with the late hate pal. Oh, God. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess now – well, do you want to say anything about the Mysterios winning the SmackDown tag titles before we move on to the next match? Uh, a cool moment. Hard to care. Anything else from you before we move on to uh, zombies? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Another accolade for Rey Mysterio. He's deserving of his accolades. He none of his accolades were forced. Um, good moment for him and Dominic. It's something that WWE is going to cling on to. Michael Cole for the next fifteen years is going to remind us that Dominic won a tag team title with Rey Mysterio. So that'll be fun to look forward to. 
Oh, but, God. Oh, Kevin. Picture in, like, 2035 when you've got the commentary team of Adnan Burke and Michael Cole. And Michael Cole's like, oh, Adnan, remember when, uh, when, when uh, Dominic Mysterio won the, uh, the, the, became the, the first ever father-son WWE tag team champions at uh, WrestleMania Backlash 2021? And they're going to mention this in the next 16 years. A Dominic Mysterio's Hall of Fame induction. When Dominic goes in as like a, a five-time US champion and a 22-time tag champion, they're going to say this over and over again. You know, JBL's screaming about this. Like, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> it's too true. Yeah, but, it, it you know, all the jokes aside, it's a great moment. But let's move on. We got to talk about this Lumberjack match. The oh, Miz <laughs> versus Damian Priest. Um. Kevin, I guess you have the four to... here. You have you have the four. Literally, get everything off your chest about this match because everyone in chat, we all know that Kevin is a huge fan of the Maz. Kevin will be watching Miz and Misses after this as Miz gets his vasectomy. Kevin is a massive Miz fan. So last night when they did that whole angle with the zombies, Kevin, walk us through how it made you feel. No, I have to ask this first. The the segment with John Morrison in the locker room, when he walked into the locker room and there were zombies there, was that on the pre-show or was that on the main show? Uh, no, that was immediately after the Mysterios won the tag titles. They cut from Ray and Dominic saying, God is good as they're walking up the ramp. They cut immediately to Johnny Drip Drip opening a locker room door and 16 zombies being in the locker room. Just to walk you through that. <laughs> Oh God! I mean, I saw this. I saw this on Twitter. I'm getting blown up. People are tagging me in this, and I'm like, okay, something's happening because I'm getting tagged. Something's happening with the Miz with this Miz match. <laughs> Never in a million years did I think I was gonna open my phone, go on Twitter, and see John Morrison taking a selfie with zombies. Oh my God! You, you could have told me a million things. You could have told me that John Morrison. Had like John Morrison walked into a room and saw like a picture of Chris Benoit on the wall. I wouldn't believe that before a bunch of zombies. Like I, I was just in shock. You know, it's, it's just with the Miz. These segments, WWE, they keep trying to outdo themselves. Like, what else are we gonna have the Miz do next? Like, where does it go from here? We had the Miz. He's celebrating with bunnies in the ring at WrestleMania. He's he's playing paints. Finger paints on a on a multi millionaire rapper's three million dollar car. He's reading storybooks <laughs> to AJ Styles. He's got fat midget Drew McIntyre getting in a in a rap battle with Gilbert. What? Where do we go next with these ridiculous Miz segments? Like, what is the ceiling? Is it ever gonna come to an end? What What are we gonna have next to Hell in a Cell? Is the Miz gonna get thrown off the Hell in a Cell? And land into a dumpster or something? Like, what? Wait, is he gonna teleport? Are we gonna get the Miz teleporting from the top of the hell in the cell into the backstage? And he's gonna be like, "Oh my God, what just happened? Oh, uh, what? How did I get here? Uh, what? He's oh gonna be gosh. in space? We're gonna get the Miz in rocket ships? We're gonna get him on the moon? He's gonna be on the moon? What? What is next? Where? He? What? He gets eaten by zombies? I get Damian Priest is in the match. I get it. Damian Priest, he could be on the pre-show. He could be getting the Keith Lee treatment. So I'm grateful that Damian Priest had a spot on the card with The Miz, as much as I hate to admit that, but I'm grateful for it. But then they could have just had a regular match where Damian Priest beats up The Miz like the jobber he is, beats him up in three minutes, and, and we just move on with our day. No. No, we, we can't just move on with our day. We have zombies chasing 
John Morrison and the Miz. Not not CGI zombies. You know, on, on the, the throwback SmackDown, we got a CGI fist. We couldn't even get the real fist. But, you know, we got real people dressed up like zombies at, at WrestleMania Backlash. You know, God forbid we can't get CGI zombies. We got real people dressed up as zombies eating the Miz and Morrison. Like, what? As I'm saying this, it just sounds ridiculous. Like, what is this? What what is, what am I watching? Who who is paying for this? Who's like what person out there is going? All right, I gotta go on www.peacock.tv because I just saw this gif on WWE's Twitter of the Miz getting eaten by zombies and it's signing up for Peacock and it's giving Peacock $9.99 to watch this. Who? Find me one person that subscribed to Peacock after seeing the Miz get eaten by zombies. Somebody, people keep telling me, oh, he's a mainstream star. He's a draw. He's this. He's that. Where? Where are the numbers? Where is it? Show me this. Somebody. Like, John Morrison deserves better. Get John Morrison away from this guy. For the love of God. Can we get John Morrison to do anything with this guy? He's being wasted. John Morrison has a talent to be a United States champion at best or at worst. And what he's doing is taking selfies with men dressed up as zombies. That's what we're yeah. doing with John Morrison. I don't understand. I just, wow. I just yeah. Um, look, when I'm watching this, you, you know, the, 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 there are a few points as a wrestling fan where you just, you, you genuinely wonder, why do I do this? You know, like watching Roman Reigns make his entrance is like a saving grace. And watching the tribal chief, you know, be him is like the best part of this show. And just this company. But when you're watching Mike Mazanin, as you've infamously described many a time, Kevin, a 41-year-old D-list reality TV star, straight to bargain bin, like movie maker, you know, actor, you see this guy and he's out there and you've got Damien Priest who should be in like main event you know, contention at least, considering how bad Raw's roster is. You've got The Miz out there and they're at ringside. They're fighting off zombies. And the only way, the only thing I'll give this credit for is that WWE actually made the production of this look okay. If AEW tried this, it would look just it would look like a ninth grade production. So I thought WWE did a good job with yeah executing this as just brain dead as what they were going for was. Personally, I don't get why this didn't ha- this couldn't have been saved for the horror show at Extreme Rules which is probably going to be in October now, because as we'll talk about in a minute, hell in a cell is now in June. But nonetheless, this was strange. It was weird. It was like, okay, you want to promote Batista's new movie. Wonderful. Getting good with Batista. Okay, great. Um, Is there a need to have Mike Mazanin punching some performance center trainee who Bruce Pritchard's yelled at earlier in the day to put zombie makeup on? for five minutes, and then Damien Priest just pins him and wins. And then we get a bunch of zombies congregating on the ring and just engulfing The Miz. Kevin, <laughs> your favorite wrestler, the guy who tonight on Miz and Misses is getting a vasectomy, this guy got congregated upon and devoured by 16 zombies, pal. Or 16, 20, I don't bloody, I didn't count. A bunch of zombies are eating The Miz. And people wonder why wrestling's as uncool as it's ever been. People wonder why wrestling's in the dumpster. People wonder why I I don't even mention that I do like 
when, when people ask about my YouTube channel, I don't even mention it's a wrestling one because stuff like this is just that embarrassing, Kevin. I can't do it. Just stuff like this is just it, it kills your passion for everything. That's what it's it's yeah, it's absolutely you, you say kill passion, yeah. That's a pretty good way to put it. <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm looking at this and I know it's something with the maze because my, my notifications are blowing up. And I just, I still, I'm still in shock that we have zombies eating the Miz. And amongst these zombies is a future WWE champion, right? Like that's like, that's the reality yeah. of this. In seven years, somebody in that was that just ate the Miz is going to be main eventing WrestleMania 30 or 44. And it's yeah. like, wow. Like that's where you get your start. Imagine you're like a 25-year-old wrestler. You've been on the indie scene. You've been wrestling for like $10 and a hot dog in like the middle of nowhere in, in the in the Midwest United States. And then you get a call one day from Vince, and he's like, oh, pal, uh, you're going to be a zombie, and, and you're going to eat Mike Bazanin. Like That would just be deflating, you know? It really would yeah. be. Like that – I mean, c- come on. Like what? what is it? What? What is – like what? what is this trying to do – you're promoting Batista's movie. Who is going to go watch Batista's movie after watching a 41-year-old failed reality TV star get engulfed by men, grown adult men dressed up as zombies? Yeah. Like, like, who watched that and thought, I want to go watch Army of the Dead or whatever the movie's called? Like, I saw that and thought, I, I, I don't even want to have anything to do with Army of the Dead. That movie can just be get the Chris Benoit treatment, in my opinion. I want nothing to do with that movie. I don't want to see that movie. I don't want to think about that movie because the presentation WB gave us was his 18 performance center indie trainees, one of which will probably be WB champion within a decade, eating Mike Mazanin in, in the middle of a pay-per-view. Like, can, can, what? What? <laughs> get out of here. Like, oh. God, it's unbelievable. It, and where do we go from here? Where? Like, what is the ceiling for these Miz segments? We're going on, what, a year that these Miz segments have been going on? With, like, it started with the slime and and with John Morrison and the Miz, like, hi, playing hide-and-seek from Braun Strowman? Like, that was the start of this, right? Well, it, basically, yeah. I mean, that, that was a start. But one thing I've got to say, Kevin... Two months ago, this guy was WWE champion, Kevin. This, like, what? Yeah, he huh? was WWE champion. He was the, uh, he's the biggest joke of a WWE champion. He's a jobber. He got squashed on Raw. He was He's such a joke of a champion that he couldn't even get beat on a pay-per-view. Bobby Lashley beat him in, what, like 75 seconds on a, on a match on Raw. That's, like, like, bro. That's a like, joke. That's a joke. Uh, honestly... Uh, in my opinion, I want to give this Ms. Damien Priest, John Morrison, Zombies, WrestleMania backlash thing. Going forward, I want this to get the Chris Benoit treatment. I want this to be treated as though it's the WrestleMania Ms. and Morrison bunnies entrance. I don't want this mentioned. I don't want this shown, spoken of in the elite heat world. If you mention this in the chat, we may have to ban you. This is <laughs> something which, Kevin, we're not going to tolerate. This no. is the bottom of the barrel. You bring up the Miz and the zombies at WrestleMania Backlash. You're getting banned. If we see CR21 spamming about this in the chat, you're getting blocked, my guy. We're not having this. This is just not on. Okay. It's not on. 
it's it, yeah it's amazing it really is i mean I, I think i think we've said enough about this yeah yeah um I'm, I'm yeah pretty much pretty much yeah it's it's embarrassing it's an embarrassment to wrestling i i just my question is where do we go and i don't want that i know that question is going to be answered in the next six to ten months but there's going to be a point where people are going to get sick of this these segments and and it's going to turn off the people that like the miz at some point because even miz still has a ton of fans and it's going to get to the point where people are like i can't do this anymore with these miz segments it's not funny it's not funny anymore like how much can he live off this reputation from that 2016 to 18 run that people cling to that are miz fans when he's doing this nonsense like i'm stepping away from from how i feel about him but looking at it from a different perspective if you're a miz fan do you like this stuff? Like, I don't know. No, nobody likes this, you know? So, yeah, I guess we'll leave with that. Um, on to the next yeah. match. Yeah, next match we've got Bianca Belair against Bailey. Honestly, with this one, look, I guess we can probably get a conversation out of it, but it went for 16 minutes. It was a, a good match. I guess one thing I'll mention, people on, I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, my God, Bailey's so irrelevant right now. I'm just like, she had a 16-minute-long women's title match at a pay-per-view. Like, what do you constitute as irrelevant, like, fam? Like, I don't know. Outside of that, which is just a classic wrestling Twitter little thing that makes you go, like, what? Like, outside of that, this match, the actual match itself, Belair and Bailey, 16 minutes long. The ending, they have Belair's hair get involved in the pinfall, and she's Belair's pinning Bailey with a hair, Kevin. And then at, like, the two-count it gets botched and then she tries to grab her hair again and then Bailey just gets pinned anyway. It was just a bit of a mess at the ending, but yeah. Any thoughts on Belair and Bailey, my guy? Uh, I, I thought it was good. Um, it was a good match. You know, it was just, it was fine. Like it was just an average wrestling match. Like it was nothing terrible. It wasn't great. It was just there. And I guess that's kind of a problem. I mean, it, they had to follow Mike Mazan and John Morrison getting eaten by zombies. So they really like, Nobody nobody cared. You couldn't pay anybody to care about this match just by the nature of them having to follow this Army of the Dead promotion. So they were kind of in a bad spot. You know, people are just, at this point, people just wanted the pay-per-view to end. You know, they just wanted to get to Lashley and they wanted to get to Roman and Cesaro. And and this match just got lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, you could have followed that Army of the Dead zombie promotion segment with literally... Santino, Natalia, Great Carleen, the Muppets, and it would have been an improvement. That's how all-time bad that Army of the Dead zombie thing was. But nonetheless, um, unless there's anything else you want to say about the SmackDown Women's title, I, I guess we can move on to our legit like main events, which I, I want to talk about the WWE title, unless you have anything else to say here. Yeah, let's talk about the WWE title. Let's do it. This, I, I love this. This match, it was 14 minutes of these three heavyweights beating the crap out of each other. The action was fast-paced, which I really enjoyed. Lashley, Strowman, Drew McIntyre, WB title. I thought, as dead and non-existent as the build was to this on Raw, I thought they you know, they did the match about as well as they could have. I really enjoyed it, Kevin. Now, what do you think, generally? I thought it was really good. I mean, I was, I was expecting it to be good, but I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. It's one of the better matches of 2021, from at least a WWE perspective. Um, Lashley and McIntyre, we already know they have great chemistry. So the the Braun Strowman was a bit of a wild card, and I thought he worked well with both guys. Uh, and Lashley as WWE champion has been good so far. 
you know, what can I say? I mean, he pinned Braun Strowman. I'm not shocked by that. At some point, it, it's starting to feel like McIntyre is going to win the belt back at SummerSlam. It's starting to feel that way. They're going to have a full crowd, I guess. Probably that's the rumor. They're going to have a full crowd at SummerSlam, so McIntyre will probably win the belt back then. Yeah. But uh, this was good. This was like a good holdover match. It was really good. What I, there's not really much more I can say. It was three badasses beating each other up. Like, that's what we watch wrestling for, you know? I, I personally think they could have done Lashley and Strowman as a one-on-one match. That would have been a bit more of a spectacle, having those two big, larger-life beasts meeting for the first time, to my knowledge. And it yeah. could have been really good. I would like to see what, they, what those two could do on, on their own, honestly. But what we got, I thought it was good. Yeah, I think Lashley and Strowman, they, they need to do that eventually. It's just, when I was watching this match, like, I can't mention this. I, I alluded to this before, but, like, few matches, I'm attentively watching start to finish. And this match, I found myself, I watched the whole thing. I was engaged and captivated by everything because, for one, this is three guys who are well and truly larger than life. They're, they're, they're guys who don't look like you and me, Kevin. They're, they're, they're these big monsters who, they're, they're so rare nowadays. They're watching these three beasts who are who weigh a combined 900-plus pounds, they kept saying. These three guys, some of the stuff they did, like, I mean, the Drew McIntyre-Lashley LED board spot, it's not the first time you've ever seen in wrestling, but it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I thought the spot where um, Strowman did his choo-choo train run around ringside, <laughs> McIntyre proceeds to do, like, a belly-to-belly, and Strowman lands, like, on his neck on the floor. I mean, outside of the fact that that nearly paralyzed Braun Strowman, that was a cool spot. And then the spot where Drew McIntyre went for a Claymore at ringside, Strowman grabs him, power bombs him through the table. I thought that was really good. Also, quick shout-out here. Corey Graves' commentary during this, I genuinely thought was really good. Like, he was selling this really well. Adnan Burke and Byron Saxon were doing nothing. That was barely speaking here. And everything they were contributing was stupid. But Corey Graves was actually making this feel good. So, shout-out to Corey Graves. He enhanced this match on commentary. Big ups to you. Byron Saxon, you're doing a terrible job on commentary. And the match itself, really good. So, yeah. Any other words, Kevin? <laughs> I got to say this about Braun Strowman. Uh, I think if Braun Strowman was used properly over the last, like, four to five years, he could have been a big deal. Like, this was Braun Strowman at his best. Right? Like, like wouldn't you agree? He could have been something more than what he is. Like, it's hard to take him serious in these WWE title matches because of what a joke he's been since, like, what, 2016? But... I mean, I thought he was good. You know, he's one of those guys. He's kind of like a utility guy. You could plug and play him when needed, and he could be good, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, you know what well, I'm trying to Braun, say. Well, Braun's best in like these, you know, multi big man matches. You know, the the, the SummerSlam 2017 one where it was what, Reigns, Joe, Brock, and Strowman, and like the, this match at WrestleMania Backlash. Like when there's like you know three or more of these like big guys, and it's, it's one of these matches. Braun Strowman is perfect. But when it comes to just either one-on-one matches or just him on weekly TV, WWE, as you say there, Kevin, made a mess of him. He could have been a legit like big star. Like 2017, Braun was nothing to joke about. Like I know last year with the slime and calling him the white trash redneck hick, and he became a bit of a joke, and he's been a bit of a meme ever since. But, I mean, this guy had potential to be like legit, like a massive star. But, oh, well, WWE doing what they do best, pal. Got to ruin his momentum. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they, you know, they sacrificed him. I don't want to go too long on Strowman, but they sacrificed yeah. his momentum, you know, to to keep building Brock Lesnar's legacy and Roman Reigns' legacy, and it 
it just wasn't necessary. Those guys are already made guys. They didn't really need it. But, you know, yeah. when Strowman is uh, put in the right position, he delivers. But, yeah, I mean, it's main event time. Yeah. Let's go. Legit. Um, yeah, you go. You go. All right, so I'll say this about this Roman Reigns Cesaro match. I liked. I'll say off the top, I liked it a lot more than you did. I liked the match. I hated the ending. Uh, uh, with uh, I'll save it, but I just hated the ending. But the match itself, I liked. Um, it, it was a little bit too long for my taste. I got kind of bored in the middle. Like I was kind of like trying to, you know, I wanted them to wrap it up. But it was good for what we got. The only problem is it's hard to take Cesaro serious. Like there's only so much that Roman Reigns can do. And it is only so much he can sell a guy and make a guy. But at the same time, he plucked Jey Uso from being, you know, a relevant guy hosting karaoke to a main event player. So he did the same with Cesaro to an extent because Cesaro is not half the character, not even a half. He's not a quarter of the character and mic worker that Jey Uso is. So props to him. But I thought they had a good match in all in all fairness. I really did. I, I liked it. Okay. Well, what you said before, like implying that I didn't like the match, Kevin? We, we, we even spoken about this. For all you know, I thought the match was better than Taker, Taker and Michaels at 25. Personally, <laughs> I, I thought the oh, match was good. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Nah, I'm, I, I thought the match was good. Um, Now, when it comes to the Reigns and Cesaro dynamic, that's where I have a bit of an issue. Um, So, Roman Reigns, let's, let's just run through. The whole build, I thought, was okay. The video package summed it up really well. And as we've always, as we always say, Kevin, the video packages at WWE pay-per-views are so good that you don't have to watch any of the TV shows, and you're still fully caught up by the time you see the match. Which shout out to WWE on that. I barely watched the build WrestleMania Backlash, and I was fully filled in. So that's that's cool. When it comes to the match itself, Kevin, you have the tribal god, face of the company. Best wrestler in the world, bar none, no debate. Roman Reigns, at the height of his like apex, you know, in his prime, he's coming out. He's got his new theme song. Heyman's there. He says to Jay Uso, "You stay in the back. I don't need no right hand man for this." Us. He makes make him stay in the back. Reigns comes out. It's awesome. And you got Claudio Castagnoli just out there, just to be there. You know, like the match was really. I, personally, I enjoyed the match. But it's just trying to buy Cesaro is so difficult for me. Like Reigns can make guys like Cesaro just mid-carders seem legitimate. Guys like Cesaro who have such clear gaping flaws, aka microphone-itis, shout out to Jay Rance. Cesaro has microphone-itis, but even then, Roman Reigns is that good that he makes Cesaro compelling, you know? But right. this match, I enjoyed it. You know, ending, I'll throw this to you, Kevin. What do you think of the ending, honestly? I hated it. I, I really did. I, I could not. You I, I couldn't hate it ending more than I hated this. I could not believe that they that WWE ended a pay-per-view with Seth Rollins beating up Cesaro. I was literally in shock. I, I went, When Rollins came out, I thought we were going to get the Reigns and Rollins stare down. And that's how the show was going to go off the air. And then when he started attacking Cesaro, I was like, something's going to happen. Like Reigns is going to attack Rollins. Somebody's going to come out like there's going to be more to this ending. And it literally just goes off the air with Rollins smiling at the camera, wearing his, you know, his SmackDown theme suit. You know, so that's long term storytelling. Seth Rollins wore a suit with yellow and, and blue on it. So that means, you know, we're going to get Rollins versus Reigns to SummerSlam. <laughs> oh, wow. 
God. You know, I, I just I could not stand the ending like that. You got Roman Reigns, the best wrestler in the world, and you end the show with Cesaro getting beat up by Seth Rollins. Like, why did anybody care about Rollins and Cesaro after WrestleMania? Like, yeah, it was a good moment. We got the NFT moment of the year with Cesaro doing the the airplane to Seth Rollins with no hands. Okay, awesome, great. Cesaro's strong. I know John Cena told me Cesaro was strong like six years ago when he said that Cesaro could squat more than him. Okay, that's awesome. But nobody cared after WrestleMania. Why? Like, why is this an ending? <laughs> I don't understand. This freaking uh, cult leader is wearing a white suit jacket and a yellow and with yellow and orange paint on it, beating up a bald Swiss man. What? What is this? You got Roman Reigns. He walks out of the camera. Why is Roman Reigns? Why are they not ending the show with Roman Reigns, Jimmy Uso, and Jey Uso? I don't get it. They brought yeah. Jimmy Uso back for nothing. I don't know. Uh, I was yeah, it looks like, like the match itself. Twenty-seven minutes, I think it went. Like a yeah, really good match. I don't, I don't think anyone thought that this would be a bad match. And they do the ending. Reigns gets the, the guillotine in on Cesaro. Cesaro's in it for like a minute and a half. He fights up, and then Reigns just beats him. That bit. Cool. You made Cesaro look strong in that bit. Reigns wins as he should have always, and that kind of stuff happens. And then what you talk about there, Kevin, with the drip god Seth Rollins coming out there. They did the face-off with Reigns, and you thought, okay, they're going to end the pay-per-view. And the cameras kept rolling for like two minutes, and it was Seth Rollins, a.k.a. the man's man at ringside, putting Cesaro's arm in a chair and being like, Guys, I'm, I'm gonna break his arm. I'm gonna break his arm, guys. And then he like stomps on the chair, and then he like throws Cesaro into the ring post. And it's like, oh, Cesaro had his right arm and right bicep worked on by Reigns for 20 minutes. Now Rollins is stomping it in a chair. Oh, oh, wow! I can't wait to watch Rollins and Cesaro part five on SmackDown this week, Kevin. Like, you know, it just it was weak. It was a weak ending. I, I personally, I like where they're going with Reigns and Jimmy Uso. They're clearly doing that for Hell in a Cell, which I think that's gonna be amazing. But the stuff with Rollins and Cesaro, it just, I don't, it's hard to invest in Cesaro when he can't represent himself on the microphone. He can't present himself well enough for me to care, you know? That's just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's why Cesaro isn't, you know, the next Jey Uso, just a guy that was plucked from irrelevancy and put in the main event scene. Because he just, he can't, like I said, he's not half the, he's not even a quarter of the mic worker and character that Jey Uso is. So there's only so much you could do with Cesaro. Uh, for a filler pay-per-view, for a pay-per-view that we're going to forget about in seven to t- in seven to ten months, we're not even going to know one match from this card. I thought it was a fine main event. Um, I like the spot with the guillotine where Cesaro got out of the guillotine. I thought that was cool. They could, You could argue they could protect Roman's finisher better, the guillotine. They could protect it a little bit better, but, I mean, it's wrestling after all. Finishing moves get kicked out of. You got guys on Wednesday night kicking out of the tombstone. So... <laughs> You know what have you? Uh, the tombstone's done in Japan as well, Kevin. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Look, honestly, I re- I reckon give it a couple of weeks, and we're gonna see that same guillotine spot recreated in a Young Bucks match. I, I can see it now, but nonetheless, um, yeah. Personally, to close this kind of backlash super show out, backlash is a show. The, the zombies thing was one of the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling. That that is. Yeah, that, that's up there with the injections. That's up there with all these like all-time bad segments. Um, when it comes to the rest of the show, a bunch of just predictable matches. Like, most people got every prediction right on this show, which, I mean, fair play to you. Shout out JT Dangerously. Keep predicting, my guy. 
Um, but yeah, just generally a, a okay to good show. Main event was good. The, the triple threat match, the WWE title. That's going to be the match I remember most fondly from this show. I thought that match was just amazing. And then the rest of the show was mid, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd give this show like a 4 out of 10, you know, at mm. best. Like, that's fine. I was thinking giving this an 8, you know? like I don't know what they were watching. They must have been watching something else. I, I must have watched something backlash. else. If they're watching Backlash 2008, then fair play. But WrestleMania Backlash featuring zombies, you're going to get a show with that army of the dead zombie promotion above like a 5. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just, I can't. We have zombies. You have matches that didn't have, that had little interest. Um, You know, the, yeah, the Triple Threat WWE title match was great. People are going to remember that for maybe, maybe a year. People will remember that. But there's nothing really memorable on this. The most memorable moment from this show will honestly be Rey Mysterio and Dominic winning the tag team titles. And it's going to be something yeah. that people look back on. It's like, wait, that happened? They beat Dolph, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode tag team champions. Like, that's going to be the reaction in, like, five years. You know? It's not yeah. going to be like, oh, my God, that was such a great moment. Whatever. We already talked about it. But, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, overall, I would say overall a pretty forgettable pay-per-view. That's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah. One one of these shows that WWE, they got through it because they had to. You know, this is that post-WrestleMania pay-per-view on the calendar, which usually contains a bunch of WrestleMania rematches. This one, it wasn't exactly WrestleMania rematches, but it was just the storylines from Fastlane and WrestleMania carried through. So hopefully going forward, something fresh happens in the Hell in a Cell, which this is something I want to talk about really quickly, Kevin. Hell in a Cell is happening in June. Yeah. Thoughts? Thoughts? Like, uh, Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell is happening in June. People get so defensive, like it's the worst thing ever. I don't see yeah. the problem. I don't get what the problem is. It's just they moved it up four months. Yeah, like when they announced it, it's one of these things where it's like it's not like oh my god, how dare they? I'm gonna throw a pitchfork at WWE headquarters. But it's one of these things where it's like oh okay, interesting. I think what they're gonna do is probably I guess Reigns versus Jimmy Uso in like an I Quit match maybe or something like that. Because I guess they did Reigns and Jay at Hell in a Cell last year. They're going to do Reigns and Jimmy this year, I guess, potentially. So that's cool. They'll probably do Rollins versus Zoro Part 7 at Hell in a Cell, I guess. Cool. Yeah, we'll, have that. we'll get another NFT moment with, with uh, Cesaro, you know, throwing Rollins like through the cell door or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're probably going to have about probably three more Hell in a Cell match. We'll probably get. Drew versus Lashley inside the cell, and then Baron Corbin will be under the ring, and he'll get out there and he'll oh, beat God. up McIntyre, and then Lashley will win. Oh, the don't Bob. put that into existence. Oh no. Well, where's Baron Corbin been? I mean, people in chat. Last time I saw Baron Corbin was what a promo the week before Mania, was it? Like, he's yeah, ho- hopefully he retired, bro. My guy, he's 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 out there wearing Kansas City Chiefs jerseys, having barbecues, and. <laughs> Tweeting at random people, you know, like that's Baron Corbin. Yeah, let, let him yeah. keep doing that. But before we get out of here, though, I want to do like like five minutes on AEW. Go on, man. Go on, then. I, I, I we haven't talked about this, so I want to talk to you about the Young Bucks thing. What, oh, what did God. you think about that? Where they mimicked the whole Shawn Michaels Ric Flair thing? Well, it wasn't. I didn't really like hate that that specific bit. I hated the match. I thought the match itself was terrible. Because you've got this match where 
the Young Bucks, who are the EVPs, are defending their tag team titles in this big match against SCU to retire or break up SCU. And it doesn't even open or close the show. It goes on like 30 minutes into the show. And you've got Moxley versus some guy from Japan who's 53 opening the show. Anyway, the match itself featuring, was it Christopher Daniel? Or like the, the botched blade job where you could see the blade on the floor. You've got that spot, which you mentioned there, Kevin, where you've got Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson, whichever one's the less flabby one. You have that guy be like, I'm sorry, I love you. It's like these people, they're parodies of wrestlers. They're some of the most insecure people I've ever seen. That's my thoughts on it. What do you think? I, I was watching it, and I was thinking first, why, like, I get it. You want to you make, make your friend, you want your friend Dan, Christopher Daniels to go out on a high note. But why did you put it in the middle of the card? It just <laughs> didn't make any sense. Like, come on. This is what I don't get about the Young Bucks. They want to make themselves important, but they don't want to make themselves important at the same time. Yeah. They, they have like the Cody syndrome where they're the main event of the show, but they don't have the world title. You know, they, even, they got the most important story. You know what I mean? And then don't even, don't even start on Cody, my guy. Don't even. Yeah. That's the next thing I want to ask you about. Oh, uh, my yeah, guy. That's, oh. <laughs> but I'm watching, like, I'm watching this. Okay, cool. You guys, you wear Jordans. That's great. Awesome. You have money to spend on Jordans. Okay. That's not a character. That's not a cat. That's not a gimmick. And people are going to say, oh, they're heels. You're getting worked by heels, bro. That's what heels do. I don't hate them because they have Jordans. I have Jordans. Millions of people around the world have Jordans. What, what is the big deal about them wearing Jordans? You know? And okay. Yeah. Cool. I- um, I don't even know. Like, I guess their character is that they're parodies of wrestlers. I guess is that. I don't know. I, yeah, they're, they're they're entering like go away heat at this point. I think even AEW fans are getting sick of them. Like, there's those few people that will say everything that AEW does is good. God bless them. But outside of those people, I think everyone in the wrestling community is tired of the Young Bucks. I, I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah, I. I always nothing them, but after like the past like couple months, and it's not because of their their great heel work. It's just it's just generally like seeing how they carry themselves, be that on social media, be that just generally on wrestling TV or just in interviews. And it's just like if these are the EVPs of a wrestling promotion, this promotion has no chance of truly succeeding. That's that's the fact of the matter. So. That, that's them. And speaking of AVP, oh, wait, let, 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 yeah. let me say this real quick, too. Let's go. Yep. The Young Bucks, they make fun of this Shawn Michaels Ric Flair moment. But God forbid somebody on the indie scene makes fun of like a Young Bucks match from like seven years ago that they had in Ring of Honor with the Lucha Bros. The Young Bucks are going to block them. They're going to tweet about how they're horrible people. They're going to send all their fans on them. They're going to act all sensitive. But it's cool when they do it. And it's just. It's just I don't know. It's something about them rubs me the wrong way. But yeah, insecurity, let, insecurity, Kevin. That's exactly what it is there. But yeah, um, on, speaking of insecurity, I want to talk about Martin Luther Cody Rhodes, kind of <laughs> oh, impassioned political. I guess um, I don't even know how to describe this promo. Um, he, he's going on about having a like a, a bi like a biracial multi race child with this beautiful loving wife and 
then Anthony Agogo is living the American dream, even though he's from Britain. And, and what do you think of this? Like, honestly. I, I was so confused. First of all, I was like, Cody was talking like him and Anthony Agogo. They've had like a three pay-per-view, three, four-month-long storyline that was super <laughs> personal. Right? Yeah. Like, that's like, if, if you took somebody that's never watched AEW, and you showed them that Cody promo. So they, they're going to ask you, like, why is he? Why does he hate this Anthony Agogo guy so much? What happened? And then what are you going to tell him? Oh, Anthony Agogo did a freestyle rap on him a couple weeks ago. Oh, um, the night, you know, QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo beat up Dustin Rhodes like six weeks ago on an episode of Dark on YouTube. Like, <laughs> how do you justify this promo? I... I for me, what I took it as was Cody was auditioning for his political, his run for, for politics that he's going to do once AEW gets bought by WWE in three years. That, that That's what I took it as personally. He's just auditioning for the 2024 election, whatever he's going for, whether it's the mayor of Atlanta or governor of Georgia, or oh, whatever yeah. the hell he's going for. He's just auditioning for politics. That's the way I took it as. Well, Kevin, like legit, what caused this promo was a go-go punching Cody in the stomach once. And then after Cody got beaten up, a go-go put a UK Union Jack flag on Cody. And then Cody, as a result, in like the 20-minute mark of this show, is standing in the ring, legitimately crying, cutting a promo about the race of his own son and race relations and... Like I'm watching this going, if this was, you know, some empowered, you know, powerful, if this was Nelson Mandela speaking in front of 50,000 people at like a, a rally, you know, back way back when, or this is Martin Luther King empowering like the masses in the 60s. If that's something like that, and you've got hundreds of thousands of people in the streets chanting, Cody, Cody, then that works. But the fact of the matter is you've got this, what, 36-year-old man in the middle of the ring, crying because of a match against Anthony Agogo, a double or nothing, that's going to go probably second or third on the card. He's crying in the ring over this match. And it's like, does anyone care? Is there a need for this? You know, like, you're, you're not Nelson Mandela. You're, you're Cody Rhodes. Please stop, you know? I, like, I could not believe it. I, I couldn't. I was watching this live. Did you watch it live or did you catch like, I did. a clip of it? I watched this live. I, it was unreal. Like, I'm, I'm watching this unfold. I'm like, what in the hell is he talking about? What what is what is going on? What is like like did I did I accidentally press like, on like Fox News? Am I watching CNN? Am I watching like BuzzFeed, Vice TV? What the hell am I watching right now? It was God. And then he's like, like you said, he's crying about the race of his son, or I'm sorry, of his daughter his future daughter. And I'm like, bruh. Okay. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you want? Do you want a cookie? Like, what is, what, what is going on? How are we supposed to react to that? Like, what, what are we supposed to feel as viewers? Yes. Cody Rhodes. It's like the people in attendance during this, as I mentioned before, the promo itself, you would have thought there were 60,000 people lining the streets chanting, Cody, Cody. <laughs> you, got, you got about 500 net bids at Daly's place. And none of them are really reacting. Well done, Cody. You've done a great job at engaging your audience. Like, stuff like that just alienates the audience. It's apparently alienated the AWEVPs because apparently they're hardly on speaking terms, reportedly. So it, it's, it's doing a great job. It's really, 
promos like that, Kevin, are really helping AEW get over. You know, just oh yeah. Go, let's talk about that too for a second. Are you shocked that the EVPs aren't talking to each other? I mean, th- this is what happens when you take a bunch of wrestlers who are egomaniacs like Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny are, and they all have different philosophies and they all think they're all right. And you put them all in the same room and you're like, all right, you guys are going to collectively run the company. That, that, I mean, the buddy buddy friendship that they had when they were in Ring of Honor and they were in New Japan, you know, writing TV shows. I mean, not writing TV shows, riding up and down towns, filming a YouTube show, and just having good matches on the indie scene and, and going out to eat afterwards. That's fun in games and awesome. But when you put like millions of dollars on the line, you got, you know, you got to hit ratings and you got you to gotta build characters. Like that changes everything. I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked, honestly. Well, apparently, which this this doesn't surprise me at all. Apparently, a lot of wrestling journalists, wrestling websites were quote unquote scared to report on this. Surprise, surprise! It, it, it's on these things where, like, it's just it goes to show you. I mean, the point you make there is bang on the money about just the people involved. Like, it, it, is this really surprising? Like, you have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Young Bucks we just spoke about is some of those insecure people in the wrestling business as a whole. You've got Kenny Omega, whose character is that he's a good wrestler. That's legitimately his character. And then you've got, yeah, go on. He, he's probably the best one, though. You know, yeah. behind behind yeah. the scenes. Like, if I, I imagine myself, if I was in AEW, I would probably want to run my ideas by Kenny Omega. I probably would not want to talk to Cody or the Young Bucks. God, no. You know? God, no, because Cody thinks he's Martin Luther King, apparently. <laughs> And the young bucks are like all in, you know all insecure, and I guess you got Kenny Omega out there watching Naruto and making the AW video game, which is apparently still in the works. And Tony Khan's just there, you know, on the phone to Dave Meltzer, you know, like, and that's like the the, the senior executives in the promotion, like Dustin Rhodes and Kenny Omega, would be the best ones to talk to, you know, like absolutely. Ah, oh, dude, what yeah, what a promotion it is, like it bro. is. It, that's maybe like. Hopefully Tony Khan has the intuition and may, and and the you know I'm sure he has the the grit to do it like he's not afraid to to put these guys in their place but I hope he can see what's happening if he's backstage and you know need maybe he needs to make some changes cuz realistically all those guys contracts they end in two more years I believe they all signed five year deals Kenny the Bucks and Omega and um and Cody what are you going to do in five years if Cody's like, all right, all right, bro, I'm going to go try to be a politician. And Kenny's like, yeah, I'm too old. I'm going to go make video games. And then the Young Bucks are like, oh, I want all, we want all this money or we're going to go to WWE and wrestle tag team matches in NXT. And what, what, what happens to AEW realistically if that happens? I mean, company's screwed, I guess, because if that's the case, five years from now, we'll be getting the rise and fall of AEW documentaries on uh, Peacock. You know? Like... Because one thing I want to talk about as well, just to quickly mention this, Dynamite's viewership this past week, 936,000 viewers. So at, at this point, I think we're seeing that AW, when NXT was going against it and they were consistently dealing with NXT, they were drawing what, Kevin? 700 to 850-ish? Now right. they're getting basically low 900s. Okay, because the initial buzz of, oh, my God, they're going unopposed on Wednesdays. Oh, my God, Chris Jericho was on Austin's Broken Skull Sessions. Oh, my God, Mike Tyson, OMG, Blood and Guts. All that's kind of gone away now. And they're getting about 900,000, tiny bit over. 
And it's like, but this what, is their What happened was uh, all, all the people that watched NXT religiously and never even really thought about AEW, they tune in and they see QT Marshall attacking Cody and Cody crying and Brandy Rhodes, pregnant Brandy Rhodes crying. And they're like, I'm, I don't want to watch the show. Like, what is this? You know, that, that's well, like, that's what happened. Out. Yeah, exactly. And like, also, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, what do you think about Orange Cassidy? Competing in the world title match at a pay per view, uh, it should have it should have happened after he beat Jericho. That should have been the full gear match a- after he beat Jericho. They should have just done it then. That that's really like all I can say about it. It should have been, or not even at full gear. I'm not even gonna say that. They should have had Moxley squash Cassidy like two weeks after on Dynamite. They could build up this big Dynamite show that's like a pay per view but not a pay per view. Yeah. And just have Moxley kill Orange Cassidy in like an eight minute match, you know they they didn't need to. I don't know. It's, that's what should have happened. But now exactly. he's got no momentum. He beat Chris Jericho, the biggest star in AEW, their first champion, you know. And what did he do after that? He put his hands in his pockets and got thrown into a video game by Rusev. And what has he done the last eight months after beating Chris Jericho? Not a whole hell of a lot. You know, it, it's like, like I'm watching this, and like, ugh, dude, you have Kenny Omega carrying these segments, like he's taking off Orange Cassidy's sunglasses. He's like putting his own sunglasses on. And I'm seeing, you know, people making videos on this, people tweeting about this, how Orange Cassidy's the perfect starter, pushing this main event setting when crowds are back. He's gonna be so over. I'm like, okay. You know, you do you, I guess. Maybe AW is just not for me, Kevin. I guess if the main event scene is Adrian Neville versus Omega versus a dude who puts his hands in his pockets, you know, like it, I, I, I don't mind, I don't mind Pac and Omega because those two have good chemistry. Yeah, that works, but you it, know, if they're having the Solar Monster versus Neville versus <laughs> Omega as the main event of a pay per view. So it probably won't main event because the Stadium Stampede too well or whatever, but. It's like, really, Kevin? Really? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. AEW. I mean, I like it. I like what AEW does. There's just so much. There's so much that I don't like. Like, I wish I could just turn on AEW and enjoy the show, but I just can't. I, I just, when you're 20 minutes into the show and you got Cody trying to end racism in front of 900,000 people on, on on a TNT audience, like that's gonna turn a lot of people off. Whether regardless, you know, regardless if you agree or not with what Cody said, there are people that are going to see that promo and they're never going to watch AEW again, simply because of what Cody said. You know, that it's just, it's just the reality. It's just the way it is. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, AEW. I, I want to really like the show, but they, God, they make it easy for themselves to, you know, be you know, critiqued and criticized. Like some of this stuff, Cody, as you say, Kevin, trying to end racism in front of 900 beards at Daly's place. You know, like, get out of here, dude. It's just, that's just not, that's not it. You know, the Young Bucks in these blade job choreographed matches and I never know. I never know. Yeah, the, the Young Bucks oh. character now is that they wear Jordans and, and they dress up like Shawn Michaels from 1995. That That's like, that's what they are now. Oh, it's amazing. I watch this and I think, how in the hell did these, did these four guys start a company that's the biggest competition to WWE. How did these four guys sell out 
a 15,000 seat arena at Vegas. How did we go from that where you have Bret Hart presenting the AEW title? You got Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. You got the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. How did we go from that to now two years later, you have Matt Jackson doing a, a mockery of Shawn Michaels, I'm sorry, I love you. While Christopher Daniels is blading where you can see the razor. And then Cody's trying to end racism. How did we get to this point with AEW? I don't understand. Like, What is going on? Look, I don't know. And also, to address some things in the chat. Now, when it comes to Raw, yes, CR21, Kofi Kingston did beat Randy Orton, and he did beat Lashley in the same night. So, um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on Kofi Mania part whatever now? Like, I guess that's a thing, you know? Wait, what? Um, uh, so, on Raw tonight, Kofi Kingston beat Randy Orton, and he beat Lashley. Um, Wait, he beat what? They had like a triple threat match or something? No, no, he beat Randy in a singles, and then there was a main event with BS shenanigans, MVP, and McIntyre getting all involved. And I guess Kofi Kingston has uh beaten pinned Lashley in a non-title match. I guess that's the thing. So we're gonna get oh, Kofi. It, hold up, is Kofi the champ? Oh, this, this is you can tell we're live right now. Uh, wait, wait, hold Kofi on. What? No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's getting a title shot, probably. I guess that's all they're doing. But yeah, like, okay. Kofi pins Lashley on the Raw after Backlash, whatever. Um, Right, you know. I guess, Kevin, this is how you try and kill pay-per-view time before SummerSlam when McIntyre wins the title. You know? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't care about Kofi and Lashley. That's nice. Like, great. Good for them. They're going to have a good match. You know, like, I don't, I'm yeah. not going to... I'm not gonna be pissed about it. Yeah. Also, what's a quick shout out? JB Bands. Yes. AW 2019 greater than AW 2020, which is greater than AW 2020. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, at this rate, AW 2022, Kevin, not looking like it's gonna be the greatest product at this rate. But you know. no. Oh no. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm fixated by. I'm just fixated on the on how AEW has gotten to this point. I I don't understand they've they're a shell of themselves and they've only been in business for three years i don't well, know kevin what we can do or either of us can do for our channels the rise and fall of aw and do this big documentary on them and then get the whole wrestling twitter crowd to hate us i mean that'd be fun yeah for um, sure <laughs> yeah, yeah people will love that um i mean shoot we gotta I got to go watch Miz and Mrs. Pal yeah. so I can review the Mrs. Vasectomy for all of you. If you guys want to see me review the Mrs. Vasectomy, just just hit the W's in the chat. Yeah. Also, legit, I just want to mention this. We've got two ultimate burials in the can. We, we've recorded Kev, – Kevin, Kev, can, can I let this out for the, uh, the Elite Hate listeners, or is this confidential? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So we've recorded ultimate burials for Charlotte Flair – and the much-anticipated ultimate burial of Finn Balor. We're just wondering, which one do you guys want to see first? Do you, do you want to see that this week? Do you want to see either of them this week? What? Let us know. If, if you want to see the ultimate burial of Finn Balor, please spam Ws in the chat. So with that being said, Kevin, any closing words about either WrestleMania Backlash, AW, Miz getting a vasectomy, anything? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just say this: when it comes to WrestleMania backlash, what I just I I don't know. I, like, what is this with zombies? You got, uh, oh God, you got zombies. I'm like hitting my head on my microphone right now. 
Why? Why people pay money for this? I just don't understand. I just don't get it. People pay money to watch the Miz get eaten by zombies. More power to them. Yeah. So, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for tuning into the stream. We had a pretty consistent about ten to uh, upwards like sixteen, seventeen in the house the whole stream. So, pretty good stuff. Hopefully, enjoyed. Uh, you know, go check out League Heat on Anchor and Spotify and all our other many platforms are on because we're trying to grow over there as well, pal. So, yeah, Kevin. It's been it's been fun roasting backlash, pal. Yeah, peace out, everybody. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate you all at the best. And everybody wants to see Charlotte get buried. So if you want to see Charlotte get buried, make sure to like this video, leave a comment, just you know, make it obvious. Yeah, get this get this late hate to twenty likes, and we'll uh, drop it this week. So uh, yeah, easy. <laughs>